Hello and welcome to the Rojas Report. I am your host, Alejandro Rojas, and we have with us MJ Benayas. Welcome, MJ. Hello, hello. Thank you very much for having me. Super happy to have you, especially uh, today on an important day for you all. So uh, MJ is a freelance journalist, but he's also an, a journalist and an editor with a new website that he and some friends, good friends of mine, have, st have uh, started, uh, Tim McMillan and Micah Hanks. In fact, for my podcast, Micah's brother, Caleb, created the music. Uh, I love his music. But uh, they're both, the Hanks are very talented musicians. But uh, you guys, and I'm going to bring this up, actually, your website. So you all have started this website, and you're covering more than just UFOs. However, you had a big UFO story drop today, and that's the one that people can see there. Fast movers and transmedium vehicles, the Pentagon's unidentified aerial phenomena task force. This is actually the big story everybody is waiting for, and people get mad and blame me for all kinds of crazy things related to this story. And we'll talk about that in a minute. I didn't even have anything to do with it. These guys did. But <laughs> congratulations on the website. And maybe we could start off with uh, how did this come about? Uh, what inspired the website? Uh, what do you guys hope to do with it? Sure. So the website came about roughly, uh, for me at least, I got involved about a year or so ago. Um, I know that uh, Tim McMillan and Micah Hanks had been sort of working on this for uh, a few months longer than that. But ultimately, the idea was, um, can we create a website that talks about UFOs and other strange phenomena alongside um, sort of established sciences, um, emerging science, emerging technology, defense, and just kind of have it all merged together. Um, you know, ultimately, myself, Tim and, and Micah, we've been creating a lot of content around UFOs um, and just other paranormal phenomena, I guess you could say. And, and we kept bumping into the same problem. Um, when you're a freelancer writing for another publication, um, you, you have to play ball with the way they handle editorial. Um, and if you want your topic to be covered seriously, um, often it, you're sort of, your editor is going to decide how things get posted, the headlines that get chosen. Um, you're not really in, in control. Um, and, and what we found out ultimately was was UFOs, even though we were writing serious articles about them, we were getting um, into sort of situations where our editors would potentially put headlines on them that that were maybe a little too, um, you know, like clickbaity or, or were, were sort of, um, you know, uh, included a bit of a giggle factor to it to, to sort of stigmatize it. Um, so we wanted to, or at least we started talking about creating our own sort of news site um, to talk about UFOs as well as other sort of emerging frontier science. Um, over the year of sort of planning this out, we we started to kind of shuffle all out of the UFO stuff a little bit and more into the science, tech, and defense stuff. Um, we've been really kind of focusing on that aspect, um, developing contacts in those areas um, to really be able to provide more content on the, the sort of futuristic kind of science and tech that that's sort of forming and, and where is really the world going to be in 50 years from now. And the UFO bit is something that just we, we kind of brought along with us because it's a subject we all love. It's a subject that we sort of all bonded over. Uh, and it's also a subject we want to sort of give respect to um, because I think it's an important subject that ought, that ought to be discussed and ought to be discussed seriously. It's great that you all are doing this. And, you know, I have found, cause I kind of, right in the same genres uh, for other sites. 
And what I found is it's really helpful to write about NASA or defense or other tech because it really helps you understand that world better, uh, especially at a time right now when those worlds are starting to get more interested or starting to work around this area, you know, and to be more savvy about how to work with some of these uh, or even navigate and understand those worlds. Sure. Tim, you know, I think Tim and I really over the last, I would say, eight months or so quickly found out that that when you talk about UFOs um, and, and the people we spoke to out of, you know, whether they were to the stars like Louis Elizondo or Chris Mellon or whether they were um, individuals who are still active within, um, you know, the Air Force, the Navy, um, still active within various intelligence groups within the Pentagon, whatever. Um, UFOs are very much a national security or a defense issue for, for these individuals, right? They don't view UFOs as um, sort of the, the mythology or the lore that sort of surrounds ufology in general. They view it more as, um, you know, we're dealing with incursions into airspace or into the waters of a, of a sovereign nation, and we need to defend against those, and we can't. Um, so it was very quickly we realized, you know, we were entering the waters of, well, entering the waters, um, pun intended, <laughs> we were entering the waters of, of um, dealing with the military and, and their spokespeople very often and, and just sort of engaging with the conversation in a, in a national security type of way. Um, and, and ultimately, that's sort of where I think some of the national security content we're going to be covering and, and, and our contacts come from is from sort of individuals who are into UFOs and they look at them, but they're also into obviously the rest of, of the sort of national security and defense infrastructure that they're into. Mm -hmm. uh, wading into the waters is an appropriate phrase, a little foreshadowing uh, when we get more into the article there. But uh, touching on that topic also, what I find interesting, and I don't know if you found this, I don't know if I've necessarily found this to, to hold true, but it's interesting uh, that Tyler Rogaway, who's a writer for The Drive, uh, The War Zone, great defense writer and information there, who's he's kind of embraced this topic. He says that pretty much all the tech guys, all of the defense tech guys are really into this topic, which I find really interesting. So there's another way, uh, an opportunity you know, to kind of start to uh, understand each other's worlds and really come out of it more savvy on each side about, you know, the what's going on here. Yeah, I agree. It's funny as I as I talk to people, even for articles that are totally not UFO related, they'll they'll usually what happens is when you send a request for interview or a request for comment or whatever it is. Um, the person who usually gives you the comment looks you up. So they'll just Google your name um, and they'll very quickly be like, oh, you, you write about UFOs. Hey, okay. So and then they start talking and then, they, then they'll, kind of go, they'll, they'll give you an on record. Here's my statement or here's my answers to your questions for your article. And then they'll kind of be like an off record, you know, by the way, this is what I think. And this is what I think it's really cool. And they start kind of waxing. But I like, I got to interview Seth Shostak a lot actually for the last couple months now on and off um, just to kind of build a repertoire and just kind of see where, you know, I could kind of take some articles and in, in the case of SETI as well as just astronomy in general. Um, and a lot of our conversations really circled around UFOs, right? Because he's kind of into it. He's really into UFOs as a subject. He, he likes it. Um, I think for him though, is, is, you know, obviously people consider him a skeptic and, and very critical of maybe the more mythological aspects or the, 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 
the, the stuff that sort of exists more in, in a folkloric sense and not a, a objective sense. Um, but he's still really into it. And he talks about how he's been on ancient aliens and he, we have conversations about, you know, UFO encounters and he's actually quite well versed in, in UFO mythology and UFO lore. Um, so it was, it was a fun sort of series of conversations. Um, even though I know the UFO community doesn't like him very much. Although I think it's a bit justified because I've talked to him too. He loves the lore, but he likes the fun of it Mm -hmm. and to participate in that fun. But he doesn't participate in educating himself. I have felt in um, some of the more uh, uh, credible information he should. Uh, But I think, you know, this is exactly the type of thing. This seems to be our opportunity to get more access to these type of people and then help to not just educate, but also challenge them in the legitimate, you know, professional manner uh, on some of the perhaps misperceptions they have. Sure. Yeah. We had a conversation about the the Nimitz incident and he was talking about, the, we were talking about the pilots and I sort of said, you know, but you know, realistically you have a bunch of pilots who, you know, I would say are experts in aviation and, and, you know, especially, um, you know, engaging with sort of, other aircraft, like one would think they would know when something's sort of off or different. And they just, even just in their guts, they would have that feeling because they've been involved in these situations just on such a primal level. Um, And he says, yeah, no, listen, he's like, I wasn't there. You know, those pilots, I don't know what they saw. Right. And he's prepared to say, I have no idea what they saw. I have no idea, um, you know, what happened. You know, it could be aliens. It it might not be, you know, I don't know, whatever. And he's sort of, you know, laughing through this whole thing, but he says, you know, fundamentally the the unfortunate part is we can't necessarily take their testimony and and do very much with it. Right. It's testimony and it's important, but we can't reproduce it in a lab over and over and over again to, to make a, a sort of an objective uh, statement of fact concerning what they saw. Um, so he says he's all for, you know, the pilots coming out with their testimony and, and, and that discussion. But just, I think for him, he tempers it with the fact that he's just a scientist and says, I need stuff in a lab to be reproducible. And that's sort of how I measure what's real and what's not. Um, mm-hmm. And listen, we can fault him for that, or we can congratulate him wherever you kind of stand. Um, but I think he's, I think it's kind of an important idea it's okay to be pragmatic and it's okay to be um unsure of of what's going on and and to be willing to accept that mm-hmm. i totally agree I, I really agree with that um some other kind of media questions that some people are asking i guess around headlines um louise for example from unidentified celebrity reviews saying it's hard not to create clickbait titles uh and i could see how some people would have that tendency sometimes i do but I don't, and and you may feel, because I've ran across this as well, I'm more interested in the accuracy and my title being accurate, and sometimes they're boring. And sure. so, yeah, you have an editor trying to make it exciting, but sometimes at the expense of the accuracy of that, of that headline, and that's where it kind of comes into where you get in trouble. What is your, how do you tackle uh, creating your headlines? Yeah, fortunately, I'm, I'm, I take full responsibility. I'm the one who headlines everything. Um, so, you know, in the case of the UFO article, we went with a very boring headline, <laughs> which is just literally two quotes from um, the the report. And then, um, you know, just the unidentified uh, aerial phenomena task force. Like it was, it was quite a simple uh, headline we went with. Um, and that was Tim's request as well. Tim just wanted us straight up, like, let's not do anything crazy. Uh, let's go. Um, and, and so that's what we went with. But, you know, the rest of our headlines, I think, are, are pretty... 
basic. I think they kind of get to the point. But unfortunately, with any news publication, you have to walk a fine line, right? You want people to still look at the article. Um, and especially for a new publication like us, which it, it, we're really a team of three plus a few volunteers who, who have jumped on board to kind of just help us navigate some of these waters. Um, you know, we're we have to generate sort of views as much as we can. Um, so, you know, I think a, a pretty clickbaity article I created was was in regards to Seth Shostak actually and saying that this SETI astronomer will, you know, bet you a cup of Starbucks or whatever if that we find aliens by 2036. That, that's relatively clickbaity, but uh, it's still accurate. It's basically what he said. Um, so yeah. I, I think we need to be cautious. I think, I think if, if your headline, your headline can be creative and your headline can be different and unique so long as it's, somehow directly taken from the, the story itself. Um, I think clickbait is is bad when it's a completely fabricated sort of headline that has nothing to do with really what the article's about. Um, so if I said, you know, SETI astronomer will bet you a cup of Starbucks that we find aliens by 2036, and the article was not at all related to that, and it was just an update on, I don't know, SETI's progress or something, and that was never said in the interview. Um, yeah, for sure, that would be clickbait then. Yeah, I now it's funny that you you had that headline too in that article that you wrote because I use a clip of him saying that from like mm -hmm. five, six years ago in my lecture about astronomers and UFOs. So he's been saying that for a while. So it's legit for you to use that. And he says it for the same reason you used it, you know, to, to be kind of, uh, um, you know, compelling and, and interesting. And, uh, and, you know, then you have an article that explains that. So that's what's fun about, you know, a great example of, I think, a perfect headline. Oh, well, thanks very much. It's very nice of you to say it. <laughs> but getting into your new article, I uh, actually, <laughs> it's funny we're talking about headlines because I thought, you know, this headline, I don't know. I would have used a different headline. And I was thinking, what, what headline would I use? And uh, I think I would have used uh, headlines along the lines of either the UAP task force reports, um, demonstrate you know the military has this of course is way too long i have to try to summarize that yeah. but they're demonstrating there's a lot more credible information that they're looking at um or nimitz type cases another one might be that the ufo or that the navy is looking at uh credible cases of ufos coming out of the water because uh, those are some really interesting things about the article that you all wrote today. In fact, you know, the article was really kind of about these two UAP task force reports, or at least a report, and you can correct me or give us more detail, a report that they modified and then sent out another report that is kind of out there in the intelligence world and going viral, people creating a really big buzz. Right. So, so just to kind of give, uh, I guess, the readers a rundown if they haven't read it, um, we have confirmation that two reports were created by uh, the UAPTF, um, sort of in, in sort of back to back in within roughly a year or so. Um, so, so the initial report that was released uh, in twenty nineteen or uh, sorry, late twenty eighteen um, was concerning just a general rundown of the situation concerning UAP investigations within the government for the intelligence community sort of at large. Um, and it pro predominantly focused on like OSAP and ATIP um, and just kind of highlighted, this is what we've been doing. These are some credible, um, you know, incidents that have occurred uh, that are, that our pilots and other aviators and, and military personnel have seen. 
Uh, and it was, uh, from what we understand, it was a sort of a general rundown of, of this is what's happened thus far. The follow-up report, which came out um, sort of several months later, um, again, sort of disseminated to the entire community. It was a sort of a, an update that they issued. Um, it was clearly indicated that the Navy was particularly interested in, and the task force itself was particularly interested in, objects that were in the water uh, and then would leave the water and, and you know, enter the airspace. Um, and and two photographs were, were attached to these reports. Um, and sort of the, the most important one that I think everyone wants to get their hands on um, was taken by uh, a pilot with his cell phone of, of an object that is sort of climbing um, in front of the aircraft at a perfect, I can't really see my hand there, a sort of perfect 90 degree angle, sort of straight up in front of the aircraft. And it just came out of, of the, the ocean below. Um, so, so there is a whole, um, I guess you could say, sort of providence to this picture that was taken mm-hmm. um, because it was included in this intelligence report. The inherent problem with all of this is, is the reports, the photographs, everything is, is, is very much under lock and key. Um, where the Navy and, and our, our contacts in, in the Pentagon and various sort of military um, branches weren't even willing to say sort of the level at which these, this, these documents were, were sort of set. So, you know, are they secret, top secret? You know, what, what classification do they carry? Um, because again, I think when you're dealing with individuals who are actively involved in this, they have to be pretty careful in what they say, um, ultimately, because if they if they let too much slip, then then maybe they're breaking a law, and then all of a sudden, you know, they could end up in 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 prison or worse. So we 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 sort of appreciate the situation they're in, um, but you know, we're led to believe that at least some of this is very classified, um, and and it's sort of we're stuck, um, unable to kind of get those reports out um, or those photographs out. Um, and, and publish them uh, until that happens. Our hands are sort of tied, right? Um, as, as 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 journalists and as the press, sometimes things have to kind of enter the public domain via other ways, um, and and then maybe we can have that conversation. But you know, right now we're 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 kind of bound and tied by a whole bunch of other issues. Yeah, what's exciting is I know that you have. Um, I have actually vetted the story. A little bit in mm-hmm. that I've had a couple contacts I've been able to talk to who confirmed what you guys printed. Um, and then it's great. Washington Examiner was yeah. also able to kind of do their own vetting and go on the record and say, this story is accurate. You know what you guys wrote and hopefully there'll be more over time, but at least you're kind of putting down the, you're throwing down the gauntlet. In other words, right. that we know these cases exist, these Nimitz level, if not sure. better, that the Nimitz, of course, being a case that was in the New York Times article that made such a big splash and it, and kind of prompted the Navy to to admit they were into the doing UAP research and that we have these Nimitz level cases out there, uh, others with photos even that uh and so hopefully someone i'm sure like greenwald's probably already of uh, the black vault probably already has his FOIA requests out there to get these photos and there will be a lot of people fighting to get those out uh and hopefully over time maybe that'll happen yeah that was that was part of it um you know we know for a fact these reports exist we know for a fact these photos exist um what it comes down to now is getting as many sources as we can to vet so um you know part of the process was going to other mainstream news sources and offering them 
um, the the offering them sort of the information earlier, um, you know, under embargo that they could start vetting. So, so Tom Rogan at the examiner, for example, did that. We, we gave him the information ahead of time. He was able to vet his sources that, yeah, actually these reports do exist. These pictures do exist because as we say in the article, um, these reports were, were sent to the NSA. These reports were sent to the CIA. These reports were sent to the Navy, the army, the air force. These reports were sent to sort of everywhere. Um, a lot of people within the intelligence community have seen them. Um, what hasn't happened yet is is we they haven't leaked, um, which is is what I think sort of it's it's gonna go it's gonna shake out in one of two ways, right? Somebody's gonna leak them, um, and then suddenly they're in the public domain, and it's gonna be just a scramble of 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 news media coverage because somebody leaked this information. Um, or you're going to get a major publication, let's say like CNN or the New York Times or or somebody who's able to to kind of get that source to give up the report or give up the photo, and then they will present it. Um, so it's a leak, but it's done through a, a news media organization. Um, and it's going to kind of shake out, I think, in, in one of those two ways. I would be surprised if, if nothing comes out um, concerning these pictures or these reports, um, sort of via some sort of, of, of leak out of the intelligence community. Um, that mm. would be very surprising to me if it didn't happen. Um, but regardless, we know they exist. Do you have any sense uh, that there are some larger media organizations like the ones you mentioned um, attempting to do that, attempting to, you know, confirm your article and perhaps get someone on the record or at least uh, their version of the article? Um, let's hope so. Yeah, I, I think we, we've, we've um, you know, again, it's, I have to be cautious, but, you know, I, I think it's, it's fair to say it it's really good when news organizations work together because we can all pool our resources. You know, Tom Rogan has different sources than we do. Um, CNN will have different sources than we do. The Times will have different sources than we do. The Post will have different sources than we do. So if suddenly you have multiple organizations saying, yeah, we were able to confirm this, we were able to confirm this, we were able to confirm this, we're now dealing with... Um, we're now dealing with dozens of sources saying, you know, yeah, we can confirm this happened. So um, the fact that we're first sort of makes us happy. Um, let's hope that those other uh, larger publications are, are willing to um, backlink and, and are willing to, to sort of um, address where, where this came from um, and that, that we were first. That would really be great and a feather in our cap. Um, but, but, you know, fundamentally, at the end of the day, we don't care if, if the New York Times is able to get the report out or the, the photos out. Um, that's great. And, and, you know, we hope that that type of stuff can happen. We hope that those individuals who, who are able to, to get to their sources through those news organizations are able to, again, you know, get this information out into the world. You know, someone mentioned, uh, and even when it gets released, the entire world won't care again. And actually, I think that I disagree with that completely. Yeah, I, I, I think that yeah. the important part of the world will care. Uh, so, for instance, Dr. Kevin Knuth, who's a physicist, uh, you know, uh, associate professor, well known for for different aspects of physics that he works on. He made a great point. He's like, you know, previously it was difficult to do science in this arena because like that Shostak was talking about it has to be uh, it has to show, you know, some sort of repetition. There has to have been some sort of science done in the first place of which there isn't any. And you're kind of caught in this catch 22 uh, that way. However, what uh, the, the Nimitz report did 
and the Navy going on the record was it allows science to then kind of check the Navy to say, hey, Navy, if you guys are saying UAPs are something you're looking into, they're not ours, they're not theirs, then as scientists, we need to check your work. You have to provide that. And it makes it legit for us to then enter this arena scientifically. And of course, your article, the more confirmed it is, also supports that position, which uh, does then really move things quite a bit forward, uh, at least in the way that we want, which is to be to have science or mainstream organizations getting involved. Yeah, listen, you know, I'll be honest, you know, people don't generally care about anything um, in the news, right? Like, I mean, you can have... um, you can have major breaking news stories uh, and, and, and people just simply go on with their day. It happens all the time. Right. I mean, it's just a fact of life. People need to live their lives. They still gotta, as I say, you know, buy their coffees in the morning and take their kids to dance class. Like life goes on. Um, So if all of a sudden, you know, these reports come out or these images come out, you know, I think people will care. Um, I, I think, like you said, I think certain people will care. And I think that that's going to only move the ball forward. I mean, look at all the countless people who have started talking about UFOs or writing about UFOs who never would have before, um, you know, December 2017, when the New York Times article came out, right? That, like, that article really pushed a whole bunch of people into looking at UFOs as a phenomena. Um, sure, the whole world didn't shift and the whole world didn't stop and we all didn't throw up our arms and hug each other in peace because we're all unified under, you know, we're all human and we should love each other. Like, of course, but ultimately you, you, the discourse moved a bit, right? Like it shifted away from being a little less maybe woo and a little less crazy and it became a little more, well, hold on a second, maybe we should pay attention here. And I think that if these reports come out and these photographs come out with sort of the proper, um, um, with the proper corroboration that, that there's sort of, it's all connected and related um, provenance on the photos. What I mean, when the provenance on the photos is established, um, I think what's, what's going to happen is a few more people are then going to say, well, hold on a second. You know, this happened in 2017. It happened again in let's say 2020 or 2021, you know, now all of a sudden it's just a little less crazy. And now I can talk about it and I can have these conversations with my colleagues and my friends. Um, and, and there's no weird stigma or at least the stigma is reduced. Um, so, so, you know, I, I disagree with the statement that no one's going to care. I think a lot of people will care. I just think that, you know, is, do people expect, I think, and, and this is my frustration and I'm sure you share this with me, Alejandro. I think people within the UFO community expect that we're going to find aliens and all of a sudden it's going to be like childhood's end, right? We're all going to just live happy lives forever and, and everything's going to be fine and dandy and, and we're going to stop war and world hunger and poverty is going to, it's not realistic. Let's be honest. Like humans are humans and, and we're going to engage in our lives the way we do. Um, so yeah, rant over. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't agree. Skipping, no skipping through fields of daisies with aliens in a perfect world that they've helped create for us. Yeah, it's not Star Trek, man. It's not like the Vulcans land and all of a sudden, you know, we have replicators and we're all building Starfleet. Like, it's just not going to happen. But, you know, I think there's there's enough people will move and shift in a direction that that ball will move a little bit more and we can have these conversations more in the open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree completely with that. And I mean, I, I think also people need to review because and I've been ranting about this stuff. So don't feel bad for for weeks or months now is yeah. that uh you know if we come up with a game plan what do we want out of all of this you know we don't know 
uh, much. We don't know that there is some kind of major disclosure that can even be made. So we want forward movement. Um, We can only control what we can control. But the great thing about what's been happening and like what your article demonstrates, your article demonstrated that there are a lot of people in the intelligence community who feel that they've uh, now been provided some very credible information that something's going on that is not ours or theirs. And you even have at least one Brigadier General going on the record saying that, that that's, that's not ours, you know, or nor is it Chinese or Russian. And so we know there are people in that arena thinking along those ways. Not only that, now we have uh, these these academics who are feeling safe, these mainstream media people that are feeling safe writing and looking into this topic. And we have a government agency that we can now harass. We can focus, you know, our energy on, okay, UAP task force, you're there. We see you. You're telling us you don't want to share anything. Not good enough. When has that ever been good enough for the public? And we're going to harass you till you start to share something. Um, so we have a lot more uh, ability. We have a lot more, uh, you know, rungs to grab onto where we didn't have that at all before. Right. And, and you know, I, I appreciate that. You know, thanks. Thanks for saying that. And I think that that's a great way of looking at it. Um, you know, hopefully this article and, and and hopefully this article provides a bit more, like you say, sort of rungs, right? A bit more steps on a ladder that, that we can climb. Um, you know, they're not perfect. Um, they're not going to be some startling reveal of, of a dead alien body in some underground bunker. You know, we get that. Um, but that's not really, I'm not sure if that's ever really going to happen. Like, I think, I think people, we sort of live in this, you know, and again, God, I'm just going to just I'm going to alienate the UFO community tonight and I apologize. Um, but, you know, I think we live Don't in a bit of a delusion. Yeah, I think we live in a bit of a delusion that, that there exists some some one day some article is going to come out of, of dead alien bodies and whatever. And listen, the UFO community has had tons of this. Listen, we've had dead alien bodies on video. We've had dead alien bodies in photographs. We've had dead alien bodies that are real or not real and they're still kicking I've around. Some live aliens. Oh, where'd he go? Yeah. We've, it's too dark. We've got a live alien back around. He's dark. gone, right? Like he moved. So yeah. there you go. There's, the disclosure just happened. Um, the point Why is, do they always do that? As soon as you get the camera on them, they're gone. You know, it is what it is. And and we're, we have tons of lore and mythology concerning this. Um, and, and what we're now able, I think, to get is, is like you say, a few more rungs that, that we can actually hold on to that are tangible, that, that we know someone officially is looking at all this stuff. Somebody officially is, is having... The, the 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 wherewithal to say you know weird stuff's happening right like our pilots are seeing weird stuff that we can't explain um we even have like you said in the article uh, a, an air force general who went on record with his name and said yeah listen this is definitely not a foreign power like no no country would put an experimental aircraft into the united states because what if it gets shot down right like i mean it's just the risk is way too great um so so you know we're not prepared to say 100 it's not some experimental craft but i think what's happening is is that discourse is moving towards you know we need to start looking at other options um outside of it's ours or it's china's or russia's or whatever it could still be those things right nobody's saying it isn't the report from what we understand says this could very much you know this could be ours this could be foreign but the report also says we can't rule out the fact that it might not be those things. And then suddenly we are now opening sort of this whole other weird 
Pandora's box of like options of, of what we're actually dealing with here. Mm-hmm. And I think that we have to, you know, uh, take a step back. Uh, there's a lot of assumptions that are made with the mythology that goes on in the UFO community and everything. And, and that's why I don't mind disenfranchising that group because they deserve it and they need it. Um, you know, in the past we've been, you know, they've, they have been, or at least, you know, building on these mythology upon mythology and, and right. I, we'll get to this and, and just the announcement of your article, this big news coming did that. We, we demonstrated that, which was awful. Uh, it was, it's just a, a demonstration of the silly mess that, that happens in, in the UFO field often. Whereas what we have to really think about is how do we research and how do we look into this? So far, when it comes to civilian organizations, there's a major lack of resource. Um, Where do we get that data? I keep repeating this. I was telling you earlier, the SCU have kind of identified the three areas. We're either going to get data from the government. Of course, that's a tough nut to crack, as some people have pointed out, but it's not impossible. You can harass UAP by writing articles and talking to your uh, legislators about also that you think this is important and you want them to ask that information comes out. Those tactics do work. Um, the academia, which is becoming more open or the public, meaning that we ourselves can look for more data with projects like Skyhub, where we can try to um, get more data that we can have scientists or citizen scientists begin to look at. There's things we can do and we can't feel disempowered Um your article is a perfect example. You all didn't need anybody to tell you it's okay to go ahead and look for this information to find, to share it with the public. You went out and did it yourself and you accomplished it. No, we, you know, we, thank you very much. We, we appreciate that. And, and uh, you're right. I mean, listen, I want to give a shout out to, to, you know, groups like sky hub and, and, um, C McDaniel who, who's running that show. Um, you know, I wrote an article about him, um, as well as Hypergiant, which is a Texas-based sort of AI company. Yeah, great uh, article. Yeah, for Vice. It was called, you can look at it, it's called The Subtle Art of Hacking UFOs. Um, and, and you have a lot of individuals in the IT space, in the the, the um, government contractor space, in, in the AI space. You have a lot of these people who are just really into UFOs. It's just something they grew up with. It's something that they're 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 fascinated by, and they necessarily they haven't necessarily picked. You know, I think it's X or I think it's Y. They just are fascinated by the fact that people have strange experiences and people see strange things in the sky, um, and and we should investigate that. And and instead of um, instead of targeting people and instead of you know maybe. Um, you know, whining about stuff. They just like friggin' do it. I mean, you look at a guy like Steve McDaniel, who was like, I, I never thought about UFOs in my life until I read an article um, in, in uh, the New York times about them. And look at now he's developed Skyhub. He's literally just, just developed the best civilian built tracker that you can install in your backyard to monitor your skies. Um, and he did it just through grit and blood and sweat and and shopping on amazon for the cheapest materials you can get and now they're literally you you know they're building um you know the cases so that you can it's waterproof and it's windproof and friggin' stormproof so that you can have this thing sit up in your yard all the time um and and instructions how to build it and it's free like it, it's ridiculous i mean you you have a lot of ingenuity in our community i think what happens is we get bogged down in a lot of individuals who who enjoy just you know being critical of of 
the good information. It doesn't necessarily fit their own belief systems or their own narrative. Um, it doesn't fit what they think UFOs are or what disclosure ought to be or, or whatever. And, and it, they then attack it um, versus just looking at the data, doing the research and, and finding that information. So, um, you know, props to, to those guys at Skyhub and, and Hypergiant and, and wherever, but also we need to cut them some slack. And I think in the case of this article as well, you know, we're not asking to cut a slack, but just understand that this is how this world works, especially within the intelligence community and the military community. Um, you're not going to have 30,000 people coming forward and saying, yeah, I'll put my name on this and risk jail time or whatever. Um, it, it's, I don't know how to say it. There's like, there's two ways to play this game. There's sort of the proper way. And then there's just like the neighborhood street rules. And, and unfortunately we have to start moving beyond kind of just playing it in the neighborhood street rules. You, you got to start playing a little more professionally, I think. Mm -hmm. And along those night lines, and this is more of a cautionary tale that even when it comes to like UFO Twitter, be careful of what's out there. Right. And you do have to unfortunately use your own. You can't trust anybody. Do a Fox Mulder, trust no one. You've yeah. got to kind of use your own skill of discernment. So, for example, when James Fox came on and I interviewed him and, um, you know, somebody, Crew Cut, I think was his name, a great follower. Thank you for listening. And and he had me ask James Fox, you know, about any coming news. And he said, there's big news on the horizon. And with a day in within a day or two, UFO Twitter was, is ablaze with UFO news to change the world right. is coming and James Fox is in the in the know on all of this type of thing. And um, they blew it into something that it was completely sure. not what it is, speculative, trying to even turn it into that the government's going to be revealing something shocking. I mean, from your perspective, since you were working on the article at the time, I'm sure you had all the right. most of the content by the time this happened. What was it like to see all that? <laughs> um well well listen it it's really funny because um there's there was that moment where where i think tim mcmillan you know the article was basically written and we were now in the stage of, of editing and vetting sources and confirming everything he wrote um so so the way the process worked was was tim provided me the article uh, myself and mike actually we, we both read through it um, Micah Hanks, who, who's involved in this with us, we both read through it. We 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 took it and we we edited it, um, like a hard copy edits for grammar, spelling, and whatever. Um, and then we went through the process of vetting all of the sources. Tim then, bless his heart, says on you know December second, you know an article's going to drop. And obviously, you know I'm just like, oh god, man, like great, I have a deadline now. Like this is not how <laughs> yeah. this works, Tim. So you know I, I vented my frustration with Tim, saying like really you had to say something because we knew now we had to one be ready for december 2nd um and two you know which happened today the website crashed because of traffic people were literally mm. sitting and waiting in the morning and i think the the time was publicized i think tim went public with the time and so people were sitting there refreshing their browsers on our website um and literally our whole server collapsed um so it took a I don't know, it took like five hours to get fixed. Anyway, regardless. Um, yeah, what happened was Tim said, you know, there's gonna be big news on December 2nd. And and Tim didn't, I don't think, Tim just kind of said, we're gonna have a, a news story for you. And and people right. spun it into, for sure, what they 
what they wanted it to be, which was, you know, disclosure of, of the thousandth magnitude into infinity of, of um, like I said, dead alien bodies in, in Dolce, New Mexico, um, and all the different sort of disclosure kind of things we get, right? Um, photos and videos and the next New York Times piece. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's frustrating. Um, but on the flip side, you know, what, what, are we, what am I going to do? I'm going to say, no, everyone calm down. It's like, you know, we're, we're just releasing a news story and like relax yourselves. I mean, it doesn't matter what you say because ultimately even that would get spun out. If I turned around and said, no, no, hold on a second, like relax. And then Tim did that, right? Tim even said, I think at one point, you know, calm down. This is not a UFO story so much. This is a national security story. You know, we need to kind of understand that we're, we're approaching this from a defense perspective, not necessarily a disclosure perspective. Um, people kind of spun that out. I mean, I, I read on Twitter that that the debrief is being funded by a, a British deep state cabal um, of, of secret investors who are pumping money into the debrief to, to let it happen. It's like, like I, I don't know where this stuff comes from, right? It's ridiculous. It's really just Tim, me, and Micah doing it. Um, but I think that there's this, you know, mythology, again, that grows around stuff. Um, UFO Jesus said that, you know, it was going to be the, the day of disclosure. I think he called it <laughs> yeah. disclosure December or something. He referred to it as it's like, Bless where's his heart. that from man? I don't yeah. know. It was intense. And it's, yeah, it's just really frustrating because it does undermine the credibility. It really has a negative and people were getting frustrated at me because I was getting frustrated about that. And I'm like, what are you people doing? And they're like, Alejandro, how can you get mad? Tim McMillan even said there is a big story coming. That's fine. Big story doesn't mean that, you know, dead bodies are going to be on television, alien bodies or something, you know, that's ridiculous to jump to that assumption. And it and it does create, you know, problems for like our many of our viewers who are like, oh, my gosh, this is coming up. Tim McMillan says this. I saw Tim McMillan interviewed by Alejandro. He seems legit. This must be real. No, you know, you got to go to the source. And, and we just have, a, have to be careful about doing that sort of thing. Um, if we really do want to, uh, you know, bring this to legitimately look into uh, what's going on and try to... Um, do so in an incredible, ma- incredible manner, which is um, that we can demonstrate, you know, uh, credibly. Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, it is a big story. And I think once you, you sort of appreciate the magnitude of what happened, I mean, you know, there was a FOIA that, that Tim received concerning an email between a Navy admiral and an Air Force general basically saying, like, hey, did you get this briefing on UAP? Like, we'll, we'll make sure it's set up for you in, in the morning kind of thing at 10 a.m. or whatever. Um, and then that led really Tim down a path of, of now saying, okay, well, hold on a second. I have this really big rock that I just turned over, and there's, like, really all these weird crawly bugs. Now I'm going to start flipping over every friggin' rock I can find. And he went out into literally waded himself into the intelligence world and started asking sort of all these connections he had and all these individuals that then led to more connections that led then led to more sources and more contacts sort of being able to to confirm that yeah listen these briefings not only happened they they happened on the senate level but also um reports were were made like like we have two we have confirmation on two reports that went out who knows how many more there are, but we have confirmation on two with attached photographs from, from, you know, aviators of, of right. a, a, a Navy operated task force saying, um, one, we have significant evidence that these things operate in the water and then operate in the sky 
and they can they're transmedium they can go between both um and not only that um we have a lot of other cases that that seem to indicate that we need to consider these these are potentially you know u.s test craft these are foreign test craft or and then like literally word for word says you know potentially not of 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 sort of not based on earth or not of earth origin or whatever the the exact quote was um so you, you literally have a naval report coming out of the office of the naval intelligence and the Pentagon saying, you know, aliens are not off the table. I mean, that's freaking huge. I think that is big news. Um, and, and I think that, that the way we reported it was responsible. I don't think we, we did anything um, sensationalistic. I, I think we reported it as a straight up national security defense story, which is what we were aiming for this whole time. Um, we're not a UFO site. And we're not here to speculate and we're not here to play games. We're here to give you legitimate news that we can source credibly um, or that we can, yeah, that we can source credibly. And that, that's what we did. I'm smiling because it's it, now that I reflect upon it, it was a sort of a situation where you did exactly what you just said you did. You shared your information in a credible manner. You substantiated everything that you said, uh, you know, uh, you fit it into the bigger picture. Um, and it's kind of funny because I'm thinking here, uh, maybe it could have been sensationalized a little bit more to get some legs. Um, sure. But, you know, that's the balance where it's hard to figure out. But I think you guys did a great job in being careful not to undermine the credibility of this story by by doing something um too sensational. Um, John Lindy says the article is great and he says it is big news, uh, kind of like you just said. And I agree. And I have the big UFO news in this little um, ticker in quotes because it was kind of hard. At, you know, sure. even on the last show, I was trying to tell people it's big news, but it's not big news. A lot of you, it's not going to be big news to you. You're, this whole big news is blown out of proportion. However, you know, something I think is big news or James Fox is, thinks is big news or you think is big news is not going to necessarily be big news to most of the UFO community. Because at the same time, you know, kind of like you were saying, the hard part, it was big news, exactly the things. Now, I didn't know all the details of the news. I knew very, very you know, a fraction and even just what I knew. And I knew that kind of the gist, I guess, was big news. I mean, to know that uh, the intelligence community as a whole, um, right. and not only that, someone made a point that these servers that this uh, information sit on with that people, all the, the intelligence community was accessing these reports on are also shared with some of our allies so there are perhaps international, you know, intelligence uh, organizations looking at this and that it's compelling and convincing and they're really excited about it, um, that this information has gotten to the Senate, has gotten to Secretary of Navy and these other high levels. Um, that is really big news. That really gives us some insight into uh, how credible they feel that the, the UAP situation is. Um and that's that's it's it's fascinating, you know. They they obviously see it as much more credible than um, uh, the media knows, or even that we knew, because for all we knew, most people were kind of rolling their eyes about it. And in sure. fact, Brian Bender, when he talked to his sources prior to this, you know, he got a lot of the eye roll type of thing. Oh, you know, Harry Reid, silly UFO project, or something like that. But. Uh, so it is fascinating. I think you guys did. Uh, I'm excited to see where this goes. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, we're we're. Uh, this is not sort of you know all 
we haven't like we haven't sort of given I, I don't know how to wear this the, the, stuff like this right tends to lead to other leads and other sources that then come forward and, and say you know you wrote the story it's great and here's something else here's sort of the next step right um which is what what typically happens and and that's what happens with i think responsible reporting is when you do something sort of responsible and you you do something well and you do something that that isn't sensational suddenly that individual might sort of step up and say you know here's something you might need or i read your article it was really great here's that next little piece of the puzzle and all of a sudden that then takes us down a whole bunch of other sort of rabbit holes of, of potential new sources and potential new leads on pieces so um, you know, that's what we're hoping for, right? We're, we're hoping now that this information's out there. One, a whole bunch of other news sources follow up. They check with their sources to confirm it. Um, you know, the examiner already has. Um, so we have little doubt that other news sources are going to be able to confirm it. Um, the, the next step for us is, is, you know, where do we go next? Like, what is the next avenue of pursuit? Um, you know, who do who have our sources spoken to that we can then get potentially to talk to us about, you know, what to do next. Um, but really, like we said, sort of the big next step is trying to get these photos and these reports out. Um, and hopefully with enough public pressure, hopefully with enough media pressure, especially from major news sources um, who have, you know, millions of viewers, um, hopefully that pushes somebody um, within that, that community or hopefully it pushes uh, the Department of Defense itself to release these reports um, and make them public. Um, and then, you know, it'll be, again, another heyday of, of UFO news. But, um, you know, for today, we're just kind of taking it one step at a time and, and hopefully another sort of rock on the path shows up. Hopefully, I, I'm not letting anything out of the bag. I shouldn't be. I don't think so. But I do know that Politico will be referencing it in their defense uh, uh, newsletter that goes out um, this week that they do every week. And uh, oh, and there'll be at least a, a small summary of some sort on on it. So hopefully there'll be more of that in the future. So so that's exciting. Uh, on the topic of disclosure, uh, you know, I get a lot of people have this feeling and, and they, this assumption that they've made that this, all of this, uh, you know, from the New York times on has been a planned disclosure of some sort. Um, but even with your article, I mean, I don't get that sense whatsoever. In fact, you have the DOD saying everything we do in this arena is classified. Uh, sure. The results, the investigation, we're not going to share anything with you. Um, yep. That's the answer you've gotten. That's what they've told Bender. That's what they've told uh, John Greenwald of the Black Vault and many others. So I think what it, this story to me looks more like, uh, you know, this hard fought battle by credible people um, in intelligence and insiders and others who have scraped uh, and and fought for this information to get out, and now it, it's getting out. Yeah, uh, it, things really got bad about, I'm going to say, maybe 10 months ago now. Um, all UAP-related questions are directed to one person at the Pentagon. Um, so, so initially, when we started in about 20 late 2018 early 2019 you know i would send out emails to a whole bunch of public affairs officers across various departments and they would answer questions for me based upon like the information they had and what started to happen was you had 
these sort of weird differing answers showing up, right? You had one source, one, one uh, PAO saying, you know, yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. ATIP was the thing. And they said, they looked at UAP, you know, here it is. And, and Louis Elizondo ran it. And then all of a sudden, a few weeks later, you had a source coming forward from the Pentagon saying, no, actually, you know what? He didn't run it. And actually UFOs weren't related. And then we had another PAO would say, Oh no, hold on. You know, yeah, he did run it. Like, well, I'm not sure why they said that. You know, I can't speak for the Pentagon. I work for the Navy. And and it was like, it was just this chaotic mess of people saying different things. Um, and what happened was because of that, it all got locked down. So now it doesn't matter who you email. Um, it doesn't matter if you speak to the Air Force, the Army, the Marines, the Navy. It doesn't matter if you speak to the NSA or the CIA or the FBI. It all goes to um, one lovely woman at the Pentagon who I have nothing but respect for because I'm sure she has an insanely difficult job dealing with people like me, but you're kissing up. I, Susan is wonderful. She's, <laughs> I tell it's her a wise move on your part because yeah. what you're explaining is this mess, which is true that there, there was a yeah. mess, yeah. but unfortunately the person who's getting tasked with answering all of the question and granted it's not, she probably doesn't, it's not her decision <laughs> probably to say what she's probably told what to tell, but unfortunately she's the person who's been the, mo the least accurate the entire time. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm, I'm not sure if accuracy is necessarily her game at this point. Um, and, and like Susan, I love you. I love you, baby, but we are, um, I know it's not your fault. They're she's wonderful. She, no, like, listen, like, like, listen, like I'm, I'm nothing but polite and she's nothing but polite back. And we have wonderful conversations, like I said, about our families, but at the end of the day, yeah, we're, we're dealing with a situation where I think you have an individual who maybe one doesn't necessarily want to deal with this crap. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's like what she thinks about, like she gets the email. She's like, oh, I don't want to deal with this crap. Um, but two is now tasked with basically if anyone has a UFO question for any branch of the government, you need to deal with it. I can imagine that being very frustrating, right? Because now my job is to go to literally every single department branch of the government. And, and there's must well, be like she's made the job of them, right? easy just for herself bring, now, though, because she's like, it's classified. We're not sharing anything. That's what it is, right? Yeah. And she just said, yeah, listen, we're not talking about UFOs anymore. We're done. Like, it's, it, they, I don't want to, and, and it's the same answer, right? Like, she just gives this canned answer all the time. I mean, once in a while, like, like, like Tim did, right? For example, like, he sort of caught her. Like, I, I think there was a point where, where Tim said, listen, you know, we have a whole bunch of, here's a whole bunch of kind of internal information that not, not public yet, but it sort of proves, for example, you know, Louis Elizondo did, you know, is doing what he said he did. He ran a tip. Basically he was point on it. And, and here you go. And her response was, listen, it was like years ago and there's privacy issues. I don't <laughs> yeah. want to talk about this. Let's just move on. And then yeah. we're not going to talk about UFOs. Like that's, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, so, so bless her heart, you know, bless her heart. She's doing great, but <laughs> we, we, we are still trying to figure out how to get um, it in Canada. Um, you try to deke your goalie. It's called deke, where you where you try to get around the goalie to get into the net. Um, we're trying to deke Susan Gao, um, and and she's I don't know, she's a very good goalie. Um, so we're, we'll well, we'll, we'll get her eventually. The puck will get deke, in the net. You deke the heck out of her with this article. I mean, you, that's a lot of information that uh, she would not take it upon herself to share. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, somebody's asking about the transmedium nature, and I think that's a great question. In fact, at the SEU, to plug them, uh, you know, the UAP, they have 
they define the term as unidentified aerospace phenomena in order to include the transmedium nature of some of these craft. And that's the other, that's why I said that should be the other one potential, maybe the sub headline to your article, because that was another, I think really compelling and interesting aspect to the article was that um, the Navy is very interested in these transmedium uh, objects. And not only that, you know, the photos were related to these, Sure. objects including the classic triangle and supposedly yeah. this incredible photo you know of this classic triangle coming out of the water and this f-18 pilot taking a photo uh with his phone out of the window of, of the aircraft yeah it's it's interesting the way tim structured it we uh, there's a, there's another sort of article is a feature forthcoming um, from Tim on sort of the 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 broader kind of idea of of these objects that exist underwater. Um, you know, there's a lot of of information out there about um, underwater objects that that move, um, like for example, past submarines. You know, American Navy submarines. Um, I think they refer to as fast movers, um, and and they just sort of whiz by at speeds that underwater are, are basically impossible, right? Like we're dealing with now speeds that, that, you know, no man-made object should be able to travel at. Um, so that's sort of going to be forthcoming a, a, a piece from us that sort of highlights this idea of, of um, members of the Navy experiencing and recounting stories of, of like something just whipped by our submarine at a really quick speed and it shouldn't have, you know what I mean? Like that type of thing. Um, mm -hmm. And, and you and referenced this. one that Mark D'Antonio told yeah. that story on this show too. You referenced that one. Right. And that was interesting where you had some guy say, I don't know if they told this to a civilian, but that sort of thing happens. Yeah. And we have a few other sort of individuals who, who, who tell their stories, um, you know, recording and being there recording kind of these things ripping by, their, their, their boats and their submarines under the water. Um, so, so clearly the Navy has experiences with, and a lot of experiences with fast movers, right? Objects that move at incredible speeds underwater. Now they're dealing with objects that move at incredible speeds underwater and then come out of the water and, and enter the atmosphere. Um, so, so, you know, are these connected? Are these separate? What's going on? Are these errors and, and blips in radar, you know, who knows, right? Like we're, we're not really sure. We don't have enough data to really make a final conclusion, but we do have enough data that suggests the Navy's interested in this and the Navy really wants to understand what's going on um, because fundamentally, again, it's a national security issue, right? Um, you shouldn't have anything flying by a, a nuclear submarine at, at such a quick rate um, and, and not being able to catch it or see what it is, um, because fundamentally this is a real risk to, to the safety of, of that submarine, but also, you know, the nation itself. So I, I think the Navy has kind of always had a vested interest in, in understanding what's going on under the water. And now that the Navy really operates the vast majority of aircraft in the United States anyway, um, you know, they have a lot of planes in the sky at any given moment uh, off of aircraft carriers and whatever, you know, they're really interested in what's going on in the sky as well. I think the Navy is also kind of fine in some maybe um, jovial sense to kind of say, listen, you know, Air Force, we're doing your job for you. And I think that there's a bit of that 
happening as well, right? I think the Navy is kind of fine to say, you know, listen, you can't protect the skies. The Navy will take care of it. We'll take the water and the sky, <laughs> boys. And they'll kind of, you know, poke fun. Um, and, I, and I think that that's part of it as well. I, I think that the Navy might have a little more freedom to investigate weird stuff in the skies because the Air Force doesn't necessarily want to admit that weird stuff happens in the skies because it's really their mm. domain, right? You're sort of protectionist and, and you don't want to look the fool. Um, so I think that's that's a little part of it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, someone was actually asking about where's the Air Force and all of this. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah. clearly they're getting briefings, right? Clearly, we have an email that indicates a Navy admiral telling an Air Force general, you should take this briefing, um, because, you know, it's related to your field of expertise, which is, you know, the air. Um, but but on top of that, um, you know, we have an Air Force general, like I said, who went on the record to say, you know, these things definitely aren't foreign technology, or at least in my opinion, they're not foreign technology. Um, so, so I think the Air Force is involved. I think the Air Force is very interested. I, I think the Air Force is going to kind of take a backseat, though, to maybe letting the Navy do what it's going to do um, and figure out what it's going to figure out. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's tough as you start peeling back the onions the layers of the onion, the onions layers, as you start peeling back the onions layers, you start to realize that there's a whole bunch of other um, intelligence groups and, and just um, let's just say units kind of within the intelligence community that are also involved um, because they're clearly getting these briefings and they're cl clearly getting these reports. So, so I think there's, there's a lot of different multi-agency Sort of, I think there's a big multi-agency effort here, um, and and now trying to figure out how it all connects is 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 also part of the puzzle, right? Who's talking to who and why are they talking to each other is is again part of that sort of path and uncovering those stones. Mm -hmm. Um, and on that transmedia, sure. someone was asking. I mean, are there any craft that we know of? Um, I think there are like, like, uh, you know, you can, from the tubes of a sub, you can launch a drone or something yeah. like that, but I don't know about something coming from underwater out and then flying by itself. Sure. Yeah. Listen, I, I like, I, I, you know, there's little doubt that there exists drones and, 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 um, you know, m missiles and, 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 you know, I guess you say surface to air missiles, or I guess in the case of water, I don't know, whatever you say, I'm not an expert. Regardless, there's obviously submarines and boats that will launch things out of water balloons and whatever. Like this stuff clearly exists. Um, it, it's so, so the question then becomes, you know, what are these pilots seeing and, and why is the Navy then turning around and saying, listen, like, like we know submarines launch drones. Um, so why is the Navy then turning around and saying, but this is not a drone? Like, why would they waste the time of the intelligence community by releasing a whole bunch of reports um, on technology they already know they possess and own? Um, the Navy, the Office of Naval Intelligence would not waste the time of, of various branches of the military in the intelligence community and saying, you know, oh, yeah, no, it's just a drone coming out of a sub. Um so, so at least we don't hope because if that is the case, like let, let's, let's go down that road. Let, like, let's assume, or sorry, for the sake of argument, let's say that is that, that is what it is. The Navy screwed up. The office of Naval intelligence has no idea that it's just submarines launching drones into the sky. And that's what their pilots are seeing. That itself is a problem. Like that itself is a national security issue. You, you shouldn't have the Navy's intelligence office that literally governs intelligence and data collection for, for both the Pacific and the Atlantic fleets 
to, to, to basically not have a grip on on a submarine launching a drone or a balloon into the sky. Um, one would think they would know that, and one would think that that would be communicated to them so that they don't suddenly release a whole bunch of reports about UFOs. Um, so, you know, we need to kind of, and it's fine to toe that line. It's fine to say that, okay, maybe it's it's not us. Maybe it's us. Maybe it's someone like from Earth like us. Um, or really everyone's just screwing up and the entire U.S. intelligence and military structure is so screwed up that they're, they have no grip on anything. Um, that These are all problems. Right? Like, like every single one's a problem. Um, we're just trying to figure out which problem we're dealing with here. Mm-hmm. Well, and I spoke with David Marler earlier today, who's really excited about your article because he's a guy who wrote a book, a great book on on triangular UFO craft and sightings sure. that have gone back for decades, actually a hundred, you know, hundred years or so. And what is supposedly in this photograph is a classic triangle that the sort of sighting that has been reported over the past decade. So the shape and makeup of that craft. You know, hearing that from not just uh, a witness, but people who have seen this photo. I mean, that that's pretty incredible, too. You'd have to explain a lot more than just this case. Yeah, I I had this conversation uh, with Tim. This was a while back. This was before actually the debrief formed when we were doing research for another article together um, concerning uh, the task force. Um, You know, Tim was able to secure a source or two that that was sort of very close to the task force and, and sort of had a pretty good grip on what was going on. Um, and I had this moment, I, w- I was driving in my car and I pulled over to actually talk to him um, because I was like, I, I shouldn't be driving anymore because I'm having this weird moment of, we have sources that, that are saying, you know, listen, one of two things is happening. One, we have a foreign power that, that is, significantly more advanced than we are um and and that's a problem or you know aliens are real um and and they're visiting earth and and they're using you know our airspace for for going on joyrides and and both options for me sort of made me had to pull over and be like okay like i gotta take stock here i gotta figure out and and run my brain through this And, and then you know recently i had that moment again of of you know either in this article, as I, as I was reading and editing and vetting sources and, and, and engaging with the individuals who who are the sources, um, sort of saying, you know, we're either dealing with something that that is foreign and, and is not good for national security, or we're dealing with something that's otherworldly. Um, or option three is, like I said, the entire U.S. military is dysfunctional and, and nobody's talking to anybody and it's a big old mess. Again, you have that moment of like, holy crap, like, why is this happening? Like, this should not be the case. Like, my world is slowly destabilizing around me um, because these options are getting weirder and weirder. Um, and and my life should be normal. Like, I, I like drinking my Starbucks in the morning and taking my kids to school and just living my normal happy dad life. Um, and now I live in this world where, where weird things happen in the skies and I have literally top intelligence officials at sort of the highest ranks of government confirming for me yeah yeah no it's 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 weird and the world's weird and you should be comfortable with that and um yeah you have that weird kind of like crisis moment of of oh crap this is this this is happening you know what i mean like it's it was it was a strange just strange experiences yeah here's my advice here's what i did back in the day when i was like yeah you know this stuff seems kind of pretty legit i would meditate on you know coming across an alien 
and right. uh, and I so that if that were to happen, that I wouldn't, um, you know, relieve myself in front yeah. of them. So now I feel pretty confident. Worst case scenario, one lands and somebody wants to say hi, I should be able to be able to maintain my composure enough to to go shake their hand. Well, yeah. not now with COVID to do the arm bump thing. Yeah, you got to make sure you're wearing a mask the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lest you think, like, you might start a war by accident by sneezing on them. Yeah. That, if yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Uh, the other thing I just want to comment that Caleb brings up that the, the cube he finds especially interesting because it doesn't, you know, have any uh, sign of any sort of aerodynamics. Of course, we do have triangular aircraft, but we don't have cube-shaped aircraft, um, which is another good point because uh, now we have another case of a cube. Um that was the other photo. Now, I, I should have asked this from the off onset, but I think you've kind of alluded to it. Have you seen the report or the photos? Either of these UAP task force reports or their photos? Um, I, 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 will, I will not answer that question. Wow. You kind of did then. Um, I did not. That's I, really interesting. I, I will not answer that question. That's a great, that's a great answer. Uh, cool. That's very interesting. So we've already gone over an hour. Um, unless any questions pop up, I want to thank you so much for being on. And I really want people to go check out your website because uh, you've got besides this one, and maybe let's do this, plug some of the other articles on the story that are on the site that I think are, uh, you've got a lot of great stuff on there. Yeah, I, I think, you know, our mission is to not be a UFO website. Um, and, and we really aren't. We have one or two, I think, sort of UFO related articles. Um, but the rest of them are articles about sort of emerging science, technology, uh, defense. Uh, we, we basically want to look at and, and question through the news, you know, where we're going to be in 50 years from now, scientifically. Um, so, you know, just like you can see on the website, you know, we're talking about DARPA drone programs. We're talking about um, uh, the, the Chang 5 landing on the moon. We're talking about magnetars. We're talking about Arecibo. We're talking about, um, you know, the Navy developing um, uh, uh, laser weapons, laser guns, basically, that go pew pew. Um, you know, we have articles about... SpaceX and um, a whole bunch of stuff. You know, I have a AI article coming out tomorrow morning. Um, oh, there are exoplanets. There you go. So, so ultimately, listen, we 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 are a news site for for science and technology, and and we want to start engaging with an audience to start thinking about you know where are we going to be in fifty years from now or a hundred years from now with our our sort of development and the way we we build out our science and the way we build out our technology and 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 national defense. Um, UFOs, I think, are a piece of that. And I think UFOs allow us to kind of think about where the world will be, um, because ultimately, you know, the, the scientific questions behind UFOs, the national defense and security questions behind UFOs, and even the technology questions behind UFOs, I think, push people. Um, you know, it, it's weird when you when you talk to individuals about, you know, building a tractor beam to guide lightning down to specific areas to reduce forest fires in Australia, you know, how those individuals are also very interested by some pretty esoteric ideas concerning UFOs or, or even, you know, free energy and, and, and just the way the universe works. So, you know, we want to kind of pull at those strings um, uh, within the scientific community and within the technological community, the, the sort of tech entrepreneurs and all that, and kind of sort of, and, and sort of say, you know, what are you interested in and where do you think our world's going to be um, within the next few years? Um, and they're more than willing to talk about that. So, 
you know, I, I hope people check out the debrief.org. I hope people follow us on Twitter and, and Facebook um, and just engage with us. Send us a message, send us an email. We're always looking for tips for, you know, news stories. If you have any information that you think is newsworthy, if you have, you know, cool leads on, on scientific developments or you're a scientist or a technologist and you're, you want to tell your story, um, you know, we'd be happy to, to run it, you know, if we can, you know, probably source it and vet it. Um, if you have pitches, if you're maybe an aspiring writer, um, you know, you're struggling to get your work into maybe some more mainstream news sources. Um, you know, I'm happy to work with new writers. I was a brand new journalist, you know, two years ago. So I'm more than happy to, to work with you and give you a space to, to have your work published. Um, you know, we're always kind of, we're, we're, we're ready to build and grow. So, um, you know, send us an email, drop us a line and, and we're more than happy to talk to you. Uh, a few questions came up about the photos. I won't ask you most of them because I don't want to, um, you know. Yeah, I'm not going to answer any questions about the photos or the reports. What about this one, though? It's just, do you have any sense as to when or if those photos will ever be shared publicly? Well, I mean, I said that in the beginning of this interview. I, I said, you know, my my gut feeling is that this is going to shake down in one of two ways, right? Either uh, a mainstream news source is going to get access to those reports and photos from somebody within the intelligence community. And that news source is going to then drop them and, and make them public. Um, or um, someone from the intelligence community is just going to go on um, some sort of forum and, and just dump them. Um, using a proxy and a VPN and, and um, you know, uh, the Tor browser and all these various protections to keep them safe so nobody can figure out who they are. Um, so Like it, the Nimitz video. The Nimitz exactly video was released right. that way. Yeah. Exactly. So, so it's going to shake down, I think, in one of those two ways. My money is on maybe one of the major news sources having a, a source who's willing to do that. Um, I can't confirm that. Like, I don't have evidence that's going to happen. Um, but that's just my gut feeling um much like the new york times was able to get the the nimitz video out the second time i guess as well as the gimbal video um as well as sort of just lewis alzando um my my, my gut feeling is is that's how it's going to shake down but you never know somebody within the intelligence world might just say you know what this is out screw it and they just put it online uh and then uh it's out there and then we report on it um so so that's it's going to shake down in one of those two ways. Great. And I also do want to thank your children for donating the kids room there uh, for a period yes. of time. So you could do the interview. I can, I can take you on a tour here. I, I know it has to be pointed out here. Like, I mean, yeah, there you go. Perfect. So you can see here, this is the, this is my room where I store my kids things. So you can see there's a rocking horse in the corner. There's a, a Batman motorcycle. Um, there's some, yeah, um, there's some, there's a couple chairs. There's a bouncer. My son's going to use that here. You can't really see, but I mean, kind of, there we go. This, see this there's thing like right a workout like, thing that you guys should probably, that's what happens. No, this is a jumper. So you put, you put your baby in here and they jump. Oh, that's yeah, cool. That's what that is. Um, so he's still too small. My, my son who's, who's just born my third child. He's now 13, 14 weeks old. He's still too young for that, but that's, that's in storage. This is my, he's my third kid. So this is all the kid stuff. We're just kind of storing it. So yeah, there's a crib. Like see this thing behind me here. Uh huh. Wait, that's the, this thing right here. That's Wait, you. No, there you go. That's the crib. Okay. That's me. Well, you know what I mean? Like, it's tough to <laughs> yeah, this behind thing. you. That's the crib there. Um, yeah. So this is, this is where I store my children's things. There's like puzzles and games and yeah. The, listen, I'm a dad first and foremost. Um, everything else is secondary. So um, yeah, this is the, <laughs> 
the office slash baby storage room. <laughs> well, I definitely sympathize with you. For, I always get it hard to point out because this is a part of the show where I point to the wrong place and I'm trying to it's say, weird. "Yeah, it's click the join button, click the subscribe yeah. button if you don't subscribe, if you join, because this video will be free for a few days, but then it'll go behind the paywall. But it's only a couple bucks a month if you hit the join button and you can see all my interviews, uh, previous interviews with Tim. Uh, I don't think I have any. This is my first Rojas report with you, but uh, I've got Chris Mellon, Luis Elizondo, all the guys in there. So um, thank you so much, MJ. Highly recommend everybody goes to the debrief.org. Of course, the story they they put out today is very important. You definitely want to read that. But really, I'm enjoying all of your articles. You guys are doing a great job and some really, really interesting stuff you're covering there. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, you have a great evening. I'll let you get back to being a father. And for the rest of you, thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for your great comments and questions. And uh, I hope we didn't offend anybody too badly. Of course, uh, it's all in due fun. And we love you all, uh, regardless of if you're one of the um, uh, speculators or not. <laughs> but until next time, thanks for joining. And we will talk to you all later.